Right now, though, we're going to switch gears, and uh, we talk about it a lot on the show, uh, and that's the whole situation with the Chinese government and and some of the things that they do. At the G7 summit and uh, the NATO summit last week, China was a big part of the conversation, you know, with Western democracies talking a lot about trying to form a, a united front and holding China accountable for growing violations of you know, international norms and laws and human rights. And a new report from human rights activists is shining a light on yet another example of the Chinese government's violation of uh, rights in that country. And uh, to get the details on that, we are joined now by Laura Harth, who is the campaign director for Safeguard Defenders. Laura, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Good morning, Shay, and thank you for having me. Um, I think this is the first time I've ever spoken with somebody from Safeguard Defenders. So tell us about the group that you're with and the work that you do. So we're actually a small organization. We're a foundation based uh, in, in, in Spain, and we're working in some of the most hostile, let's say, environments uh, in Eastern Asia, especially in uh, China. Obviously, we, a lot of the work we do is, is not necessarily um, public, but we try to assist human rights defenders, lawyers um, within the country, and obviously raise awareness about what is going on inside the country to the larger public abroad and sensitive sensibilize, you know, uh, governmental institutions abroad and also international institutions, especially the UN, on on the mass violations, the crimes against humanity that are going on there every single day. Yeah, and that's what we're going to do today is talk about some of the things that are going on and raise awareness about it. Um, uh, we're, we're talking primarily today about, I guess you can call it just the disappearing of people, correct? Right? Forced detention of people? Exactly. We're talking about the enforced disappearance of people. Enforced disappearance is what it's been dubbed already by 10 UN special procedures. So in 2018, we filed the first report with these 10 UN special procedures uh, regarding the system called residential surveillance at a designated location, Mm -hmm. uh, which was legalized in a way in 2013. Um, And so they dubbed it enforced disappearances. They, They warned for the huge risk of torture inside and what we've done over the years is document what is going on inside these secret jails they're really secret jails this is before any arrest this is before you know formal detention this is before trial and people are kept there legally in a way for up to i mean legally under chinese law obviously this is completely illegal under under any international standard but people can be kept there for up to six months sometimes they're kept longer before they even move to a formal arrest. Some are never formally arrested at all, so it's also a tool of of intimidation. And so um, what we've documented on the basis of of 175 direct testimonies of both, obviously, Chinese people, but also foreigners, because this is a system uh, where, unfortunately, foreigners end up in as well, and they're the famous hostage diplomacy, and, and, and I guess we can come back to that as later, because, you know, it also involves Canada. It does. Um, and so what we've documented with this new report locked up is really um, a second-person account of the entire journey people go through once they're put into the system, from the moment they're taken until the moment they're hopefully released or officially arrested. And so it gives really um, a view inside of what these people are going through, the torture, um, the constant harassment, the 24-7 surveillance, um, the in- being annoyed as well because you know you are uh, in solitary confinement which is which is obviously torture in itself so i would really recommend anybody interested in knowing also what um the two michaels michael kovrick and michael Stavor went through in their first six months you know in this kind of secret detention within china to take a look at the report to really get an idea of what it's like inside 
and what has been happening in China all this time. Yes, yeah, so let's go through that a bit. Like, are these just people just plucked right off the street? Is, is it that, you know, brazen? How, how do these people end up in these facilities? It's very brazen. You may be taken at night from your from your home, from your hotel room. You may be taken even during, you know, lunch or dinner. When they decide you, you have to be taken. They can just come. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll be black hooded. Um, you're driven around, so you don't know. They, they kind of try to disorient you. So they bring you then to this um, secret detention facility, which, again, it's it's not a formal prison, right? There, there may be abandoned police buildings. There may be even um, offices, you know, formally registered as offices of companies. Um, there may be abandoned hotels. And so they've kind of made these uh, structures where you'll be confined into a very small room where there's basically nothing, which is also made suicide-proof, and where you'll be watched all the time um, by police officers, even while you are sleeping. Um, you won't be able to look outside. Maybe you can capture some sound from outside to get an idea of, of where you are exactly. But basically, the whole system is set up to disorient you, to uh, instill fear. And so you're left to the complete um, control of the people holding you, which obviously gives them enormous power. And we're not even talking about the, you know, the further t- torture that is inflicted upon upon you once you're inside. Um, so it's really a, a system set up to, one, intimidate, because, again, this is very important. Many people that are placed into RSDL are not later formally arrested. So it's to instill fear, not only on the person directly involved, but on the entire community, you know, of human rights defenders, of lawyers, of many people going going through this. Um, it's also used to extract confessions, obviously forced confessions, so for you to, to, to say what they want, basically. These confessions may also be um, taped and broadcasted on, on, on national networks or even international networks such as CGTN, which includes, which is still being broadcasted also in Canada, notwithstanding mounting criticism. Um, so this whole system is set up to break you, basically. Right. Um, so we can go further into that if you want. But. Well, I'm, I'm wondering, you mentioned some of the people who've been, you know, you've, you've spoken with people who were in these centers, and you mentioned some of the, you know, groupings of people that are being subjected to this. What kind of, um, you know, is it is it basically uh, people opposed to the communist regime that find themselves in this situation? Who's ending up in these facilities? Look, what we've done um, in a new a follow-up submission next to this report that we just released is we went and looked at the data that is available. Obviously, we have a huge issue in China of, you know, um, transparency on these kind of questions. But so what we just did this week as well was send a follow-up submission to the uh, same 10 uh, UN special procedures that already denounced the system that sent the joint letter of allegation to China in 2018, to which China obviously didn't respond. But on the basis of some of the data that is publicly available, we were able to to calculate that at least, and this is a very, very prudent estimate, right? We think it's much more, but we want it to be very conservative. So we can estimate that since 2013, up till the end of next year, at least 57,000 people were put through this system. And again, this is a very conservative Estimate because this would only include those people that are actually brought to trial afterwards. So that does, that does not include all the people that are never formally arrested or never go to trial. What's more, all the people that are actually charged under national security law um, charges, 
are never officially logged in the system, so they will not appear. And obviously we know that national security charges is one of the uh, preferential charges maybe against those that may be critical of the regime. And obviously it goes without saying that these people are not afforded any of the things that we would accept as being standard human rights, you know, legal representation, uh, contact with families, with embassies, anything like that. None of that is available to these people. Exactly. So um, next to the torture of the system itself, the torture inflicted within the system, people are deprived of any contact with the outside world. The law states that their family members should be informed of where they are, but we know that this most of the time does not happen. So this is also why it's enforced disappearances, right? Because they just disappear literally. Um, You will have no contact with lawyers. Consular access, if you're a foreigner, most of the time will be denied or will be, you know, kept to a minimum. This is also something, again, that we saw in the case of the two, two Michaels, Michaels yeah. co-encounter, again, to, to, to all international laws and the bilateral consular agreement between Canada and the, and the People's Republic of China. So, exactly, it's counter to any international uh, legal standard regarding fair trial, access to uh, lawyers, or even conditions of detention. And, you know, like you mentioned, you know, the international community is aware of this, hasn't really done anything. Uh, I don't know what they can do, but the, the fact of the matter is when they don't, we know there's other regimes that will pursue these kinds of avenues. And if there's no attempt with the international community to stop it, this could just be the start of not emboldening them, but making it seem like it's, it's okay and the international community is not going to get involved and stop it in any way, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, you're you're exactly on point, and actually that's that's why we've been announcing. I mean, I think a lot of the attention lately has gone, and, and rightfully and finally, to what is happening to ethnic and religious minorities in China, sure. and we've seen how hard it is to get anything done there. Um, I think what's important with this report, with these numbers, and there will be more reports coming out, is to show just how much this repression really regards the entire population of China, right? So it's not like there's a silent, happy majority, and then there's the ethnic and religious uh, minorities, you know, the system of repression is widespread, it's systematic uh, to keep the CCP in power. But what you said, exactly what we've been seeing from China, also they've stepped up their game within international fora. They're talk a, a lot, talking a lot about uh, responsible multilateralism and everything. But also, for example, within the UN Human Rights Council, they've been campaigning heavily over the past years um, as this repression is going up for the principle of non-interference, um, saying that, you know, human rights are not universal as they are written. They're a Western concept and there's human rights with Chinese characteristics. And so they've really been pushing this message. And obviously they're getting support in this within international fora from other authoritarian regimes and countries that um, are having an atrocious human rights record. So the risk that you described is very real. What can we do? We need to raise awareness. We need to invest the UN, the special procedures that are there, but also governments um, in, in, I would say, in democratic countries, countries that abide by the rule of law, need to step up their game in denouncing this and really coming together in, in working towards finding a, a solution. Because obviously, you know, China notoriously is not allowing any independent investigation yeah. to go on on its territory. It's not, you know, submitting its reports as it should regularly, for example, to the Committee Against Torture, uh, where it's late by two years now. So it, it, it is difficult. Um, but at least we need to denounce it and we need to raise awareness on, on what is going on. And I think one of the things that the reason that the people that testified for these reports um, came forward, notwithstanding the fact that once they are released, they are you know, required to sign a document that they will not talk about what happened um, because they might be persecuted again. So, again, the, the barrier to speak up 
is, is very high, but they did because it's the only way, in a sense, also, you know, to find closure, to at least denounce what's been happening to them. And so I think we owe it to those, um, you know, 57,000 victims and many more to, to speak about this, to raise awareness um, and to do everything we can to actually counter this ongoing and growing repression, which really is exponential within the People's Republic of China over the past years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I appreciate the work and I appreciate you coming on and sharing it with us this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Shay. That is Laura Harth, who is the campaign director with Safeguard Defenders.